Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of In the Trenches Sports. Sean Ludden joined alongside by the coach, Chance Clemens. Coach, I know you have been waiting for this episode. And it's not because we're talking college football. It's not because we're giving our predictions for the college football season, which starts this weekend. It's because we get to talk about your favorite division in the NFL, the one where your Cowboys live, the NFC East. I I am very excited, actually. Um, I know we're going to do a quick rundown compared to the other ones. Um, but even though this division is terrible at times, um, it's such an interesting division to talk about because there's so much that goes on. And so I think this is going to be a very interesting year with a lot of the teams moving forward and what the possibilities are actually even heading into the offseason next year. So I actually completely agree with you there. Um, so I, I am looking forward to get to it as well. Um, you know, like you said, we will we won't spend as much time as we have past episodes on other divisions just because of what we have on table for us today. Um, And that's all because of what this weekend entails. And it is the kickoff of the college football season. So we're going to give you our college football preview. We're going to start it off with the coin toss, give you some hard, I I, I don't know, hard hitting coin toss, but it's a fun one. Um, And then we're going to go into the NFC East breakdown, give you a quick rundown of those four teams in the division. And then, uh, we're going to go straight into that football preview. We're going to finish off our NCAA top 25 poll with spots five through one. You'll hear them. And then we're going to give you some predictions. We're going to talk about the season. We're going to talk about the college football playoff and what our predictions entail for that Heisman trophy finalists, and then even conference winners. I think that's a pretty good start to our season uh, with college football. That definitely is. That's that's a lot to look into. It is. I hope you're ready. I'm absolutely ready. Good. All right, Coach. So we're going to get it started with the coin toss. And I think you're going to like this one just because it has to do with your Sooners. But Oklahoma quarterback has an, NI, has an NIL deal. And I know we keep talking about the NILs. But they're just so fun and interesting to see how these kids come up with them and how they use their names or something from their past or something like that, you know, with these deals. And with this deal, he's raising support and money for the Oklahoma Children's Hospital. And it is a line of apparel with his nameplate on these shirts. Now, Coach, I know you've already seen the rundown and you've seen the pictures, um, but if you had to take a guess at this kid's name before you even saw anything, could you even guess what crazy name he has? No, I absolutely... Like, I remember when we signed this kid, and I thought the name was a joke, like it was a nickname or something. 
And when I found out it was real, I thought it was hilarious. But he's making his name from like kind of a joke of a name to something very positive and leaving a positive impact. And so, yes. And so the young man's name, if you don't know, is General Booty. You have to love that name. you, You really do. And you look at the line of shirts he has come out with. I might have to get me a General Booty shirt. Whether we're talking about I love some booty. It's a booty call. You've got General with a peach underneath of it. Um, You've got a General saluting with booty underneath. Or even just the iconic General G with the star in the middle of it. And the it's booty, all the cartoon general booty is pretty funny. Like I yeah, kind of like that because I feel like there's so many like I love booty type shirts. Like I love boobies was was popular. Yes, when we were in like high school. Um, I remember it was those bracelets. Yes, and uh, you know, and it's a fun way to you know, get your name out there, but also just some cheesy merch, but he's doing it for a good cause, and that makes it even more interesting and more desirable to actually buy one of these. Yes. I, uh, you know, I I definitely think we need to look at these, see what we can maybe scrounge up and get ourselves at least one of them, Um, but I'm all for this, you know, for these kids that come up with creative ways to do these NIL deals, um, you know, you've got General Booty here at Oklahoma. Up in Nebraska, you've got DeColdis Crawford and him setting up an NIL deal with a uh, heating and air conditioning company in Omaha and Lincoln, especially during the summer heat. Yeah, that was now, a nice one. If that's not the coldest deal ever, then I don't know what is. Exactly. Ah, you see what I did there? The coldest. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm terrible. But, I mean, do you got anything to add to the coin toss? Because I think that was just a fun one. Get us going. Um, Or do you have another topic you want to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think what has been going on recently. I don't think right now there's really anything major to really um, talk about or throw up as a coin toss. Um, This one I think is just a perfect, fun, easy one to do just going into our main topic for the night oh exactly and kind of gives us a little bit more room to talk about um the nfc east as well before we get into that college football preview and so why not let's get right into the nfc east we're going to talk about those cowboys going to talk about the eagles the team 
formally known as the Washington football team and formally known as, can we say their name? Hell, I'm going to say it, the Redskins. The Washington oh, yeah, Commanders. Absolutely. And then the New Jersey football giants. I'm sorry, your offices are in New Jersey. Your stadium's in New Jersey. You're the New Jersey Giants. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, why don't you just buy in to be a New Jersey Giants? Like, that makes no sense. I, what was the NBA team that finally decided to buy into it? They were, what, New York for the well, longest time? Uh, I know the Brooklyn Nets were in New Jersey. Yes. And then they finally made the switch to Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, like, they were the I new- know like the Dallas Cowboys are in Arlington or you know, but like yeah. that you're ten minutes away from each other, so like it makes sense. Dallas is more popular. They probably originated there back when they first started and then expanded yeah. out. In nineteen sixty but- when the Cowboys were founded, they they were playing their games at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. So, like that, I kind of understand. But to be in a completely different state, even though it's like a mile away, it's still kind of just weird. Yes. But it's the Giants for you, so nothing makes sense. It, it, it's New York in general for you. So, so I will... The way we've been doing these breakdowns, you know, we've been going with the division winner from last year first and just going in order. I will give you the option. Do we want to start with the division winner again, or do you want to start from the bottom and go up? Let's start from the bottom and go up. Okay. So we're going to start with those, those giants. Brian DeVool, year one, coming into this giant system. Leaving the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, finally getting that chance as head coach. You've got Daniel Jones still leading the offense. Saquon looking healthy. Is he back to peak performance? But I think the biggest thing for the Giants so far this offseason that has hurt them and that will hurt their season has been the amount of injuries they've had so far. Well, then that's, like, the number one thing that always plagues the Giants, it feels like, is... And they're, they're... not they're not just, you know, common injuries or, you know, quick ones. It, it's been a lot of groin injuries or ACLs and, you know, MCLs and stuff like that. A lot of tears that are going to require surgery and, you know, guys out a good majority of the season, if not the whole season. Exactly. And... They're, they're not a team that can succeed without a running back. And so I think that's what's hurt them for the last couple of years is Saquon hasn't been healthy or can't stay healthy for the entire season. And they don't have – it's almost like Tennessee where it's like we have our star running back and then that's it. There, there's no backup running back that can mm-hmm. – do what he's doing so when you lose him you've kind of lost your offense and um it's sad because he's such a great athlete 
he was such a high-profile pick when he came out of Penn State that he hasn't done anything after his rookie year so far. And it's like you said, it's because of the injuries he has had. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. Um, Side note, he's not a fantasy guy for me. I've been burned by that bridge already. So it's something I stay away from. But also, can Daniel Jones stay healthy? And can he actually produce and be accurate? Um, That's the big question as well. And I think, I think he's going to struggle. I do like Brian DeBall. Um, now, he was the offensive coordinator with the Bills, correct? That is correct. Okay. So, when he was the offensive coordinator, they utilized their slot so well. And they took a middle age, you know, he's in the football sense, he's a little over middle aged. Um, Beasley, who was in his 30s, and made him a top tier wide receiver. So you kind of see what his system is of have a dominant guy outside and then have a vital threat on the inside. And so I think with their draft picks with Robertson and even with Tooney last year, this team has the opportunity to be pretty dynamic uh-huh. and be kind of what Detroit was last year where they they start rattling off a couple wins and they get games they lose games closer than people thought. And so I have them winning five games this year. Um, I know it's not much, but for the Giants, that's a pretty big year. And I'm going to say my bold prediction is that they beat the Eagles twice. They sweep the Eagles, even though that's kind of like the highlight of their season, but... I think they might be able to rattle off five wins. Interesting, interesting. But they have to stay healthy. If, if, yes. If you go into week two and you already got half your roster banged up again, you're done. So, and they're and you know they're going to look for a quarterback in this draft coming up. Like, unless Daniel Jones plays phenomenal and gets you to the playoffs – you're looking for a quarterback. And even then, I would probably still look for a quarterback. Yes. Because if you don't if you do something one out of five years, that's not good. That's not worth your time or your money. So either way, I would think they would start looking for a quarterback next year. Well, and if I'm the Giants as well, I'm we know there's still a quarterback out there that's available on the trade market that you know, rumors have been floating, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. Let's Jimmy G's going to get traded to Cleveland. If I'm New York and if I don't trust Daniel Jones, 
I'm reaching out to John Lynch and Mike Shanahan and seeing, you know, what they would take to get Jimmy G into a Giants uniform. No, exactly. Like, I understand that. So, and that way, you run this season with Jimmy G, have Daniel Jones learn. Um, You know, I don't think Jones would come back as a starter or anything after a year of Jimmy G, but it allows Daniel Jones to learn. That way, if he moves on from the Giants, he has that experience coming from, you know, a very knowledgeable veteran quarterback to where he may be able to go to a different team and do something. But then, like you said, you go into this year, you're, you need a draft a quarterback. It's going to be a really good class too for quarterbacks um, coming out of this college. I mean, you've got Bryce Young, um, Anthony Rodriguez, CJ Stroud, um, Malik Cunningham, just to name a few. No, exactly. And I think that's that's the only part that's questionable is do you try to get Jimmy G and maybe win a couple more games than you should and hurt your draft opportunity to get a high-profile quarterback? Or even maybe you make the trade and then you tell Jimmy, hey, we're going to sit you and keep you healthy. Or do you trade for him? He does really good, and you go, hey, we have a future here. There's no reason to go get a young quarterback. We'll just get somebody off of free agency. So I, th- I think that's the question they're asking is, like, do we want to make that commitment and possibly, you know, lose a rookie opportunity or, you know, X, Y, and Z? Because mm-hmm. J- Jimmy's not going to be cheap. That's the problem. No. And for a team like New York, if you're going to rebuild, go ahead and get the young quarterback. But right now, everyone's on rookie contracts, so you, you could spend the money on Jimmy G, bring in a couple O-linemen, bring in a running back. I would honestly probably draft a running back in the second round. And then maybe pick someone off free agency, and you know that's somewhat decent. So now you have three running backs that you're looking at. If Barkley does get hurt, you have two solid backups. So it's always. I mean this this Giants team. It's just they're just a few pieces, and they're tiny pieces, but they're the most critical pieces away from them being a contender in this division and making the playoffs two or three, you know, of these players, you know, if they add them in the correct players at the correct spots, you know, could be the difference of a two win season compared to a potential nine win season. No, I mean, I completely agree. They have all the tools there. They just don't know how to use them yet. Yes. And it starts with, you know, the front office, um, the ownership of the Giants, you know, um, and then needing to allow the head coach to be able to make decisions. And I think that is something that ever since Tom Coughlin, the Giants have struggled with. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they let Coughlin run that team, you know, make the decisions front office wise, personnel wise, everything else. Um, and look what it got them. It got them multiple Super Bowl champions. It got them multiple Hall of Famers as well. No, I I agree. So, all right. That's so all I have for them. Giants for me, two win season. First victory comes week seven. Their last victory comes week ten. That's it. That's all they've got. See, I had them losing both those weeks. It, they and they very well could. They very well could. But I mean, uh, we've seen the Giants before, where they randomly just everything works perfectly, and they win games they shouldn't win. Mm-hmm. Like something crazy. Like I had them beating Chicago. Athletically, Chicago is probably just as good as New York, maybe a little less, but I feel like for some reason I trust Chicago more, and I don't even like Chicago. Like, I don't like 90% of their team. Justin Fields is a great athlete, but they have nothing around him. But I, Mm -hmm. for some reason, see – New York showing up and just executing on all cylinders that week. You know, and that, that's that's the parody of this league. It truly is. So. All right. So let's move on. Nash, you know, they're the Landover commanders. They're not even in Washington, D.C. We're just going to call it like it is. We called it like it is with the Giants. We're going to call it like it is with the Commanders. They're the Landover Commanders. Um, we've got, you know, the trade. Carson Wentz coming in. Um, now Chase Young coming back from the ACL. Potentially going to be out the first four weeks of the season. Um, they, I, if I remember correctly, they had what they gave a uh, what was it, Mc, uh, McLaurin, uh, contract extension, which definitely mm-hmm. deserved, definitely deserved on that. Yeah, you can't, you can't not sign him because it's your fault you can't find a quarterback for him. So, I like this commander squad um, with some of the pieces they have running back and, you know, wide receiver. Love Gibson, um, J.D. McKissick as well, really good um, addition out of that backfield. Terry McLaurin, I mean, like you said, he gets the job done. He just needs the proper quarterback to actually get him to the next step. Um, I, I, they have they have weapons. It's just they don't have a quarterback that can – actually utilize it. And I mean, we'll have to see what Carson Wentz does. It's his first season. I mean, he, he's done really good things if with his time in Philly and then in Indianapolis with weapons. But then when it gets down into crucial times, this is where Wentz struggles. And if the commanders, you know, get into these crucial moments in late games or late season, 
you know, I I would not put my money on them. I would not put my money on Wentz to get us to get them out of a hole. No. No, and Wentz, if Wentz stays healthy, like let's say he has the best healthy season he's had, they win ten games. If he has a iffy year where he's hurt for you know, two games, then comes back, then he's hurt for another game. Like I am expecting he's gonna win they'll they'll win six games. Uh-huh. And they don't right now we have no idea who the running back is. Like is it Gibson or is it the rookie or like I have no idea. And Dotson is a oh, he's a I want to say he's kind of like a McLaurin 2.0 but he's not. He I think he's a little bigger. Mm-hmm. But he's such like he's the number 2 right now. Like there's no one else. So he's the number 2 uh Logan just came off the pump list. So you have a healthy tight end. So, you know, maybe he'll play the last preseason game just to get, you know, back into rhythm a little bit. But he should be healthy for week one. So, okay, now you have three receiving threats. But your defense is, I think, a little below average. I would. I would probably say they're about 19th, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Chase no. Young is – he's injury prone. So, I this is not a team – this is a team that's going to have a lot of close games but can't pull it off. Yes. Where the Giants will have a lot of games that they can't pull off, but it's more of a – it's going to be where the fans go, man, we just lost that game 2017. Like, wow, we did a lot better than we expected. Mm-hmm. Like, we almost had it. Where Washington's going to be like, man, we lost that game 2017. Like, if we just make one more pass, we can tie this game and go to overtime. Or if we make that first down or we get a sack, like – we have an opportunity to win this, you know, like there's a, it's kind of, it's crazy to think that, but like, that's the reality is there's a lot of upside with the giants. There's a lot of downside with Washington. It's very true. You know, I see on the defensive side of the ball, you know, an aging defense, you have the young pieces in there, but the young pieces they have in there, you know, are like you've said, injury prone. Um, you know, their first couple of years in the league or coming out of college as well. Um, there's, <clears throat> it's it's going to be difficult for fans of Washington to remain hopeful in this team and in Ron Rivera as well. And I love Ron Rivera, great coach. You know great system knows how to treat his players well um 
you know, and fights for him, fights for what he believes in and everything else. But Washington was not the place for him. Um, and we see that with coaches at times where they, they take a job and, you know, it looks good at the beginning, you know, when it's first announced, but you start really looking at it into, you know, the first couple seasons they're there and everything else. And it's, it was never truly a good fit with his style, the front office, everything else. Um, and just the player developments in, inside the Washington organization either. Um, they're ones that would rather bring in older guys or, you know, have just a completely inexperienced team that is bottom tier talent instead of getting some big names or, you know, mid-range talent to where they could go out and compete in games. Mm-hmm. Who would you say would be a better fit for him? If we're looking team-wise for Rivera? Mm-hmm. Any, any, other, any of the other 31 teams, no matter who the coach is now, what team? It's a tough one. Um, I would like – I think he could fit well um, possibly Houston. Um, Denver, I think, could be a very good one for him. Um, that or, kind of reminds me of Shanahan a little bit. Like yes. That. Yes. And then, you know, if Pete Carroll, you know, decides to ever step down, you know, possibly Seattle. Um, you know, and that's just because with how defensively minded Carroll is, Rivera comes in the same way. They could get back to the 2012 through 2015, you know, seasons to where they had the fewest points allowed in three straight seasons. Or four straight seasons, actually. No, I agree. I I could see that. The team I'm thinking, the teams I'm thinking are Ravens and uh, Minnesota. Okay. They're two. I think Minnesota a little more just because they're still a run. They have so much of a run game, but they can open it up to pass, kind of like what Carolina did on their Super Bowl run. And so, which I think the Ravens can do that as well. Um, I think the quarterback style is a little different with Lamar being more athletic than Cam. It, It would actually almost be like the Buffalo Bills. Like, Josh Allen is Cam Newton 2.0, just healthier, more mm-hmm. athletic, better arm. So you could almost recreate that system with the weapons they have. That defense is great. That offense 
is powerful, they they would probably throw more than what he would like. But I mean, the talent would be there to basically recreate the Panthers a little bit. Yes. But I, I could get Denver. Like, Denver could be a really good option. Uh, I just – when you look back at Carolina, when they made that Super Bowl run, he he really didn't have a lot of weapons. No. He had Steve Smith Sr., Greg Olson. And that was kind of really like his two key receivers. Like, now D'Angelo. Yeah, D'Angelo Williams in the backfield. Yeah, like, he did a lot, and that was a big threat as well. But this team was very dynamic on run the ball, run the clock, secure the game, and play great defense. He's never had a team that is offensive-powered. And that's kind of what Washington has. They're moving into with, you know, drafting Dotson is providing more offensive threats. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if Gibson's your running back, he's a good running back. He's shown that he can be a good running back. So maybe he's trying to recreate that with bringing in Wentz of a a big quarterback with a strong arm. But he's already had so many injuries that I think that's what hurts. So if he goes down... Your offense almost could possibly change a little bit with your backup. But I'm saying that, but Heineke has shown that he can be a game game manager type quarterback and make the place to get you downfield. So Yeah, I like and I like the Heineke kid. Um, just and his play is physical, it's aggressive. And then it's that just the personality to where he wants to constantly prove prove something. Um, you know, show that he deserves this chance. And I think that mentality for a young quarterback and especially one that is, you know, was given the opportunity he was, um, in a way it presented itself is good to have um, because not many people thought he would have even done um, what he was capable of doing and actually then going into the playoffs and, you know, almost beating Brady. Exactly. So, I mean, they've got themselves a really good backup if anything does happen to Wentz. Um, You know, and the potential, he could rattle off more wins than Wentz might. Um, and that's just because of the chemistry he has with the guys on the roster right now. Um, you know, you would expect him, McLaurin, Gibson, um, some of those guys that have been in Washington for several years together to have that chemistry 
um, you know, the route run, running, pitching, catching, everything, um, they would have – they have that down better than what they do with Wentz. And that's just – the name of the game comes with the territory. You know, when you're a new quarterback in a system, that's something you've got to build, and especially when, you know, you're in the off season before you get into OTAs, mini camps, and everything else, you've got to reach out to these receivers and running backs and start – you know, go where they are or fly them out to where you are. You know Wentz has the money to where you can do that. And let's start training. Let's start working on routes and everything else. But is that something Wentz actually did this offseason? I don't know. I mean, I never saw any reports of him actually working with, you know, his guys before it actually came to minicamp or OTAs or even training camp. No, that that's true. Like he's not we haven't seen him be the aggressive leader. Like we've seen that with Tom Brady. Like mm-hmm. you know, we've heard stories where Tom's kind of like he's a prick, but and he's tough on his receivers, but he's tough on them because he flew them out and has been throwing with them since May, June, July. So when they get to August, they should know the playbook already. Mm -hmm. And so he's, you know, demanding more out of them because it's like, hey, we've already gone through this three months ago. Like, we've already installed the entire playbook without the coaches. So, like, there's no reason you should be messing up. You know, and that's one his mindset is be playoff ready early in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, we say that, but like the first four weeks, Tom typically goes five, 500 because we're game planning and figuring out different things. And you can do a lot of things on air, but when it comes to the game, let's really figure out the timing specifically. But like we're saying, Wentz, we haven't seen him be the aggressive quarterback, be the aggressive leader. And that's kind of why he's been in the scenario, scenario he's been in the last several years. So when it comes to the commanders, what? how many games do you have them winning? I have them winning six. Okay. When does the last win come? Last game of the season. You have them beating the Cowboys. Yeah. I haven't wow. done I need to I still need to do my um do a second edition of this. Mm-hmm. Cause I I have to we'll talk about it later, but I gotta fix the Cowboys. But at the end of the year, it I feel like Wentz is going to kind of try to reach that redemption game where it's like, I could win the last game of the year. Like, hey, this is the scenario. We're out of the playoffs, but if I can beat the Cowboys, they're not the number one seed now. They're the number two seed. And kind of show like, hey, what happened last year in Indianapolis was – just a bad game. It, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I kind of have 
that scenario in my head. It's also the Cowboys. Like, I feel like they're just going to choke the last game of the year. But they normally do. So that's what I have right now. But see, I have them winning. So their first win is week two. Their next win is not until week 11. Okay. So, I mean, they go on a, what, an eight-game drought, seven-game drought. So, it's it's going to be tough. See, I've got them, you know, going four and 13 on the season. First win doesn't come until week six. So, they start 0 and 5. Then they lose five more in a row, and then they pick up three wins in a row and then lose out for the season. So you have them beating the Giants back-to-back? Yes, I've got, I've got them beating the Bears, the Falcons, and Giants back-to-back. Okay, which, can we just make a side note? Why... Are they playing the Giants? Have a bye week and then playing the Giants again? Like that's the stupidest thing you could do when making a schedule. You know, we've seen it the past couple of years as well. With I think the Packers and Vikings have had this happen to them. Like if you're gonna do that, put both teams on a bye, or at least separate it by an actual game instead of just a bye. Like that's just yes, that's so dumb. But I'm not the one making millions of dollars for a nonprofit organization to make a schedule. So, yeah, it's it is definitely a fickle mistress that NFL scheduling system. All right, so I think that's it with the Commanders. You know what you get with them is. Probably, I mean, what you see and what your roster says is probably not what you're going to get on the field. Um, you're probably you're going to get a worse product. Um, but we'll continue to go north. Um, you know, right along that corridor, we'll go in to Philly, city of brotherly love. Um, but the fans aren't very lovely. I, I think those are probably some of the toughest fans in all of sports, especially when you're in person with them, they are not afraid to let you know that you're doing something wrong. You suck. Um, they can't stand you. And, you know, we've seen Eagles players and opposing teams come out of there going, what the heck just happened? Um, you know, and if Jalen Hurts can't figure it out, but I, I think he can. Um, then he's he's going to start questioning that. But, I mean, you've got Hurts, um, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, you know, all on this offense this year. It's a very good potential. This offense could put up some numbers and put up some wins in the co- uh, column as well. Yeah, this is – the more I've been looking at it, the more I've been thinking about it, I think I'm going to have – I think the Eagles are going to win this division. Oh, by far. I think think it comes down to one game, but I definitely think they win. 
Yeah, and I think the question mark for the Eagles, I guess two question marks is one, how do you, how are you going to utilize Hurts and the passing game? Because I I don't want to see him rushing ten times a game. Like no, if you want to keep him healthy and have a future, that's got to be cut in half. And so. But the other one is, and the more important question, is the defense going to stay healthy? Because this is a good defense. But once you get outside the starters, you have a couple question marks. And so, because some defenses, you know, have – They have around 16, 17 guys, you know, that they're mm-hmm. like, the, hey, this guy goes down or this guy goes down. This guy can fill either spot. The Eagles, I don't I don't feel that from them. When I've looked over the roster and done stuff, it looks like it's a very strong 11. And then you're, okay, well, maybe they got 12. Maybe they have 13. But what else do they have? So if their defense can stay – healthy I think they could really win this division and they'll make a playoff run if their defense can't stay healthy they might still win the division just based off of offensive talent but they'll probably lose in the first round of the playoffs It all depends on who that first-round matchup is, in my opinion. I mean, if you're going up a team like Tampa or, you know, L.A., then I I definitely think you're losing first round. But if it's a team like Minnesota, um, I, I think you have a very good shot of actually winning that game and moving on into the second round. No, I, I... – I can agree there. So, I, and it, it, like you said, this defense is going to be the question mark of this team. Um, you know, good, strong core, again, like you said, but the backups, the depth is not there. Um, you know, and Fletcher Cox, he's one that he's getting up there. Um, you know, and he, he needs his rest. He's not playing, you know, caliber he used to. Um, I mean, Hassan Riddick on there, um, you know, Javon Hargrave. Um, you know, they've they've got some good, solid names. It's just they have to develop the younger core talent. You know, that's that's backing these guys up. And it's like you said, you normally see teams running 15 to 20 deep defensively, especially in the, you know, the, those like first seven areas um, because they constantly need to rotate them out during the game, you know, different situations and everything else. Um, you know, it, it's something that Nick Sirianni is going to have to get, you know, bought into, um, you know, this is what year two of uh, Sirianni in Philly as the head coach. 
Um, so, you know, he's still trying to get his system in place, get everything going. Um, but he's got a good start, great young franchise players to build around with Hertz um, and Devonta Smith. And then they've got some really good veteran leadership. I mean, I, I don't think you could name a better veteran leader offensively to have than probably Jason Kelsey. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. So, and then, I mean, even defensively, to have a guy like Fletcher Cox, you know, to have him leading that defense, you know, he's not he's not afraid to tell you uh, and put you in place. So, no, and that, that, and- that's – that's what these young teams need. Yeah, and I think when you when we get to about midseason, we start getting to five or week five or six. I'll be interested to see if they make any free agency moves or any um, trade moves to bring in somebody on defense as a depth piece or as a starter or what, but I'll be, I'll be interested to see if they bring something in. Also, if Miles Sanders can stay healthy, he could have a good workload in this offense. Yes. So, but yeah, yeah, like, go ahead. You mentioned that trade piece, you know, around the deadline and everything else, especially defensively. One guy and he's nearing the end of his career. He's, he's not getting, you know, as much play time as he should, but I think that's also the defensive schemes he's in as well. Um, he's just sitting on that Ravens roster and it, it's just in Houston, you know, bring him in, put him up there with Cox and, you know, Josh sweat, um, you know, and Brandon Graham, you know, and he, I think Houston could mesh well into this defense. Yeah. I mean, let him, let him be like 30 snaps a game. Let him be what he was with Kansas. Let him be with what he was with Kansas city to where he, they gave him, you know, kind of freedom to rush when he wanted to, especially he has such a high football IQ to where he knows the down and distance, you know, he knows the situations that are coming, you know, on a play and everything else to where he knows if he needs to drop back into coverage, he needs to, you know, spy on the QB or on the running back or anything else, or, you know, pop out onto the side and, you know, maybe do coverage on a screen or contain, or if he can just balls to the wall and just go out and, rush the quarterback and rush that backfield and disrupt the play, get a sack, you know, force a fumble or anything else like that. That is what Justin Houston does. And if they do make a trade for him, you know, and we don't know if this is ever going to happen or not. It's just a scenario we'd like to talk about, but it's one that could mesh well in this Phillies defense. And I think they would give him the freedom to, you know, let, let it all out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he could be a – he could be a good um, 
a good rotator for them. So, I mean, definitely not a starter anymore, but, you know, come in, you know, those down and distances situations, you know, like you said, play 30, 40 snaps a game. Yeah, I think that's a perfect workload. Yes. All right. So you've got the Eagles winning the division is what you said. Yes. Yes. Okay. How many wins? I have. Okay. So right now I have them at 10, but I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go through and redo this. Um, I think I have them. Yeah, I have them going one and one with Dallas. I have the Giants upsetting them twice, which I think could still happen. And then I have I have them sweeping Washington twice. The games that I have them losing that are kind of stand out is the Colts. And losing to Arizona, the Jaguars, and Minnesota. Okay. So maybe the Cardinals beat them just because their offense is more high powered. Mm-hmm. But they could probably, I could see them beating Minnesota, and I could see them beating uh, Indianapolis. So I'll. You know, I'll say that they go eleven and six at best, twelve and five. Um, and I think they'll win this division. Okay, I, I like it. I like it. I've got you know them winning the division as well. Um, five and one in the division. Their only loss in the division comes from the hands of the Cowboys. I think they split the series with the Cowboys. They sweep the Commanders and they sweep the Giants. Um, they go thirteen and four on the season and win the division. I've got them losing the first two games of the season to the um, Lions and Vikings. Uh, I, they beat the Commanders. They beat the Jags. They beat the Cardinals. They lose to the Cowboys going into the bye week. Um, they come back, win the next four games, lose to uh, Green Bay, and then they win out for the season. I like it. It's definitely a possibility. It is. I mean, and you know, it's like like we talked about. It's it's the young talent. If they can work well together and everything else, they they have a very very good shot. And this division, you know, has not had a repeat winner, um, conference winner since. It's been several years. Yes. Um, so let me see here. So I am looking at it right now. The Can last. I just... Go ahead. Last time there was a repeat back-to-back winner of the division 
was the Andy Reid-led Philadelphia Eagles, where they won it in 2001, 2002, 2003, and 2004. Every year since then, it has been a different winner every year. You've gone Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Redskins, Eagles, Cowboys, Redskins, Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, football team, and Cowboys. Yep, that's definitely. And I, I think the Eagles will win it this year. And um, I think you'll be shocked with my Cowboys prediction because I, I just went ahead and changed some of their stuff right now. But after doing that, I had the Eagles in third place in the playoffs. And if they, if they win 12 games instead of 11, mm-hmm. they'll beat the Rams out and be number two, and the Rams will drop to three. Ooh. Okay. So. Well, why don't we move on to your favorite team, America's favorite team. Not my favorite team, though, because that's the Chiefs. We're going to talk about this Dallas Cowboys and, you know, I know you feel passionately strong about decisions made, you know, from the ownership, everything else. I mean, Jerry Jones is going to Jerry Jones. He's, he's going to do what he wants to do, um, make terrible decisions for this franchise, you know, not pay players when they should pay players, overpay players when they do pay players that don't necessarily deserve the money. And, you know, not, not digging in, you know, where they need to dig in. Yeah. I mean, and my, you know, something my dad always said growing up was Jerry Jones won't ever spend money. But the problem is he does spend money. He just doesn't spend it wisely. Exactly. Spent it in the wrong spot. He overpays, like you said, or he underpays. Um, you know, and he still believes that it was his his ideas and his ways won us three Super Bowls. You might have had the ideas or the conversations, but and at the end of the day, it came down to Jimmy Johnson and Switzer winning those for you. Yes. And so, and the, and the product on the field with Aikman, Irvin, you know, um, Emmett Smith, you know, exactly. who else? Was- so, I it's just it's frustrating. Um, you know, and that's why we're kind of in the predicament where we are now with Zeke. Which I've been saying for the last two years, we need to get rid of him and we needed to trade him and restructure his contract so he's more he's more desirable from other teams and we haven't done it. So now we're waiting until the end of this year and now he's tradable or cuttable and we waited too long to do it, so...
it's it's not good management um, front office leaf from in that aspect if you're the Cowboys. Um, you know, I, I've as an outsider, you know, of this team, you know, I know so many Cowboys fans, you know, I always hear them say, you know, Whedon boys, this is our year, stuff like that. Um, you know, and there's just so much hype always going into a Cowboys season to immediately be let down, you know, in those first couple weeks of the season. Um, you know, and you have to question if the Cowboys do start to make a run, are they going to choke towards the end like they have, especially with what happened with the poor time management, you know, from Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and the offense in the playoff game against the 49ers last year, you know, you have to question, you know, what is going through the mind of these players and the coaches um, with decisions that are made on the field, off the field, um, time management wise, um, front officely, you know, like we said, have with the money, um, with, you know, even trading players and everything else, getting rid of Mario Cooper. We talked about this already, but Cooper, you know, was, was a player that when he wanted to show up in a ball game and make plays, he would. But otherwise, he would be in the ball game kind of as a distraction for defenses and then complain that he's not getting the receptions he deserves and that they're going to other guys. Well, I'm sorry when you're out there and you're not giving a full effort, you're not going to get the targets. You're not going to get the receptions because you can't, you know, fully turn it on in a ball game. You're only wanting to turn it on in crucial moments when the game is already out of reach or it's a long shot um, for them to do anything. And that's why you got traded. No, I agree. I I was not big on uh, him coming to Dallas. I was excited for the opportunity, but when you looked at what he did and with the Raiders, he just he wasn't anything special. He was he was special when he broke out. But then he didn't do anything for two or three weeks. Then he has another big year, another big game. And so the inconsistencies are frustrating. So then you're like, well, we have a better quarterback, so maybe that'll change. But it, it doesn't. Typically for a wide receiver to be inconsistent is partially on him as well. And, mm-hmm. and I just he's a product of being at a really good college that made him look a lot better than he really is. And that's always been my opinion on him. And he, he didn't really do much for us. And right now, cause you know me, I'm a Dallas fan. I'm an OU fan, but yeah. I will be as honest and give you a real opinion on any of my teams. Yes. I've, I've never been, oh, we them boys, like, it's Super Bowl every year. No. It's, let's 
But let's get to the effing playoffs before we start talking about anything. And, and if you make and if you is, make the playoffs, win a game in the playoffs. Exactly. And the reality is, CD Lamb is an overhyped product right now. Yes, I love I love CD Lamb. Loved him in college. I thought he was going to have a breakout, but now we're looking and we're like, all right, like you had a good rookie year, but like. You didn't do anything last year. You were the guy, and you could you couldn't keep up. So, and your your rookie year was good, but not great. Part of that I'm going to put on the coaching staff for not utilizing you in all aspects that they could. Mm-hmm. But hey, this is your year to literally be the guy. It's you and Schultz. Like that's all we got. So. If you cannot produce a hundred catches, a thousand yards, and six to eight touchdowns, I don't want to hear about you wanting a contract extension early. Because it hasn't been proven. It hasn't. And now, I think that's why wide receivers I think that's also why wide receivers are getting drafted in the first round so much lately. One, yes, they're better athletes and they're better products. But if I sign the kid in the first round, I have him for five years now. I have a four-year, four years and a fifth option. When the running back, I can have for four years in the second round. And then when that fifth year comes, I can offer him an actual next contract. So it's going to save me money, you know, with wide receivers. It's, it's the same thing. If I offer the fifth year and then give them a contract extension, that fifth year, I'm still only paying them the bare minimum. So you're saving yourself so much money. And that's kind of why, because wide receivers are the top athletes right now mm-hmm. that they're looked at, that if I can save them and wait for his fifth year and see, okay, out of five years, did I have three really good seasons and two above average seasons? Yes. Okay, great. He's worth it. If I had one or two good years and the rest of them are below average, I you're getting a small offer or let's trade you by before the trade deadline or something. Like it's not worth it anymore. And that's what happened to running backs. They started falling off and We'd get him early, but then it was like, well, why are we wasting a first-round pick on a running back who's going to get hurt and banged up? And it's like, he's not really worth the second year, the second year, the second round, like, contract, like, the his second contract. So that's why they started going to the second round. So it's like, hey, we have four years to find out if he's good or not, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen with wide receivers just because – the way the game is played so much now, but that's kind of what happened. I mean, we didn't go get anybody in free agency. We didn't really draft anybody worth anything. I mean, we got the kid from TCU. That's a great kick return and punt returner. Hopefully we'll use him at something for slot or jet fly sweeps or something like that. 
Will we? Probably not, because we can't we can't think outside the box when it comes to our players. So our running game is trash. Like I, I guarantee you Zeke doesn't hit a thousand year thousand yards this year. No. And Tony Pollard will probably do three do seventy five percent of what Zeke does and he'll have the same or more production than Zeke. With... And then we'll we overpaid Tony Pollard, we'll get rid of Zeke, and we'll be in the same scenario now. We'll have one really good running back. We'll have a mediocre running back for our second option until we finally go and get one. And that's kind of what Dallas is right now on offense. Well, and you forgot one crucial detail about that Zeke and Tony Pollard, you know, instance and scenario. Zeke will have, you know, 10, 15 touchdowns. Pollard will have two or three because they're going to give Zeke the ball, um, you know, down on the two, three yard line instead of letting Pollard, who's the more physical back, punch it in himself and who did all the work to get them down into that position as well. No, that that that's true. But that depends on if Zeke stays healthy. And I guarantee you he will not play 17 games. I would be no. surprised if he, if he plays 15 games. Now, we've been talking about overhype on offense. Let's transition over to defense. Um, is going into year two, is it overhype on Micah Parsons, or is he actually for real, and is it going to continue? Um. I think it'll continue, and the reason why is Dan Quinn. When you have a defensive-minded coach like Quinn, he he gets the best out of his players for what I've what I've seen, and he knows how to utilize guys. Mm-hmm. He he was able to utilize Parsons throughout the entire year. Because sometimes we see guys get on runs where it's like, man, this dude was a monster for five weeks, six weeks. But then, like, nothing else really happens. He just, okay, well, maybe he has another sack or two for the rest of the year, and that's it. Well, it's because the coach didn't understand that. Like, oh, now he's getting double teams, and, like, we can't utilize him in that way anymore. Like, you have to change it up. And I feel like that's what we're doing with Parsons is, He's an edge guy, then he was a back middle backer, then he was, you know, inside, outside. We utilized him in, you know, two, three different spots. I personally, I think he would be a really good edge guy. Um, and maybe, you know, drop into coverage every once in a while if we made that his full-time gig. But He's such a threat if we can utilize him at linebacker and not just edge. And so I think he's for real, but it's hard to do that off of one year. How many guys have we seen have a great year, but before that or after that, nothing ever happened? And so that's – I really think that comes down to Quinn utilizing utilizing him so well. And I'm going to jump ahead. Same thing with Diggs. 
Dix is a great athlete. He has the potential to be the best corner in the game. He's so athletic that I think he's going to be a top corner. Is he going to do what he did last year? Probably not. Like, that might never happen again in his career because that doesn't happen every year for anybody. Keep utilizing him and help him get even better and understand things better. He has the potential to, you know, become a Ramsey or a um, uh, Marcus Peters, Revis. Yeah, Revis. Yes. So, like, if he's matched up one on one with your best wide receiver. It could be a long night if we continue to work and get him into that position. So that's why I'm excited that Quinn stayed and didn't take any head coaching jobs Um, because I would really like to see what this defense can do with him. I don't think our offense is good enough to help this defense stay, you know, to stay competitive. Um, But we'll see, you know. Yeah, he's I, a great coach, so he could he could pull a rabbit out of the hat and make this defense win six games by itself, possibly. I completely agree with that. Um, so, and you know, I it all depends on what happens with McCarthy, what happens with the season, everything else like that. Um, and how Jerry Jones is feeling. But, you know, if it ever does happen, if McCarthy steps away or he gets let go or something like that, I would not be surprised if Dan Quinn took the Cowboys. No, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, I I honestly think he is he is the next one, you know, to get get that job when it's all said and done with. Yeah, no, I agree. The only reason I don't see him taking it is if another job opens up that's better. And honestly, you can't say that Dallas is the best job available because you have to put up with Jerry Jones. Exactly. And he's already been there for, what, two or three years already where it's like, okay, do I want to be the head coach and, like, I've already had to deal with him for, you know, this much. But if I'm the head coach, I got to deal with him twice as much. Yep. And, and so, with it, deal with his son as well. Yeah. And so, like, what other jobs open up that would be interesting enough for him to take over, over that job? So, you know, he could be a guy that fits in Seattle, possibly. Yes. Um. I'm trying to think what else will kind of fit his style. And that really might be, I think the 49ers would be a good fit for him, but I don't think they're going to let Shanahan go. Carolina. The other, exactly. I was about to say that. The other option would be Carolina and go back to that division. So I don't think Rabel's out of Tennessee. Uh, no. 
the AFC really doesn't have anybody. The, the Dolphins would be the only other job open, maybe. Potentially, if Belichick ever decides to retire, I could see Dan Quinn doing a very good job in New England. Yeah. Yeah. Now the question would be, does he want to go to cold place? Because having, having a dome is an advantage. Yes, it really is. And I think that's why a lot of people don't ever consider Buffalo as a great job or the, you know, places like that. Um, but with Dan Quinn's style, I think he's kind of like, he's kind of gritty like Belichick a little bit where he makes the environment work to him instead of working in an, in the environment. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. All right. So let's wrap up the Cowboys. Um, let's hear what you've got. Win loss for him. We'll go over mine and uh, we'll then get to talk some college football. How's that sound? That sounds amazing. Good. All right, let's hear. Let's hear those Cowboys predictions. Okay, so after updating my predictions, um, I have Dallas going nine and eight, and I don't even know if I trust that. Um, they could go eight and nine, so I have them going nine and eight, which actually boosts the Cardinals into the playoffs with the last seed. Okay, and put. The Eagles third overall and winning the division. Okay. So. Okay. Now, if the Eagles, like I was saying, if the Eagles win 12, the Rams go to three, Eagles go to two. And so instead of having Rams versus Cardinals as the uh, first round playoff, then it would switch to the Eagles versus Cardinals round playoff with the Rams playing Green Bay. So, I mean, either way, that'd be some great playoff games, but. Yes. So, what do you have Dallas at? You're, you're going to question me on it. I've got them going second in the division, uh, sixth seed in the playoff. Wow. But 12 and 5 on the year. Wow. Yeah. Dak Prescott must be throwing for 5,000 yards. <laughs> it's a pre ankle injury Dak Prescott. So I've actually got them winning the season opener against the Bucks. They lose to Joe Cool and the Bengals. They rattle off two victories, one against the Giants and one against the Commanders. They lose to the Rams. They win the Eagles. They win against the Lions and the Bears. Oh, my, into the bye week they go. They lose to the um, – I, I said they win against the Lions and the Bears. Um, they lose to the Packers and the Vikings. They rattle off four wins in a row. Then they lose to the Eagles – that is what sets up them losing the division instead of winning the division. And then 
they win the final two games of the season against the Titans and the Commanders. 12 okay. and 5, 12 and 5, number 6 in the playoffs. They lose in the first round. Um and uh if, yeah, if I remember correctly, they lose in the first round is what I have. No, okay. no, they don't. No, they don't. They lose they win in the first round against Green Bay. And they move into the second round. <laughs> so I I must have been smoking something good there, Chance, when I did my predictions on the Cowboys. Yeah, see, I had them beating Tampa, and I switched it. I had Tampa beating them, Bengals beating them, and then I also have Detroit upsetting Dallas with seven. Because I, I feel like for the Detroit, that's kind of like it's at Dallas. They came off a bye. This is like their Super Bowl. Like, you win this mm-hmm. game. You make the statement for the rest of the year. And I can see Dallas sleeping on Detroit a little bit. Yes. So I, you know, 12 wins is possible, but my gut's telling me that they're going to be average. So it's very good possibility of it too. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward next week now. Um, we get to talk. Let me see which one it is. We get to talk the NFC South next week. I like it. And that is our that's our final division in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Dude. So we are almost to the season. Um, really looking fired, uh, uh, forward to this. Um, season kicks off September 8th, Thursday night. Um, Rams and Bills, correct? Yes. Yeah, so that, that's going to be a really good game there. Um, but I think it's time we get into some college football. But first, you know, we're going to have a little word from our sponsor, Anchor, and uh, just hear how great it is and how easy it is to start your own podcast. All right. And remember, if you want to get a podcast started just like we did and you want to see just how quick and easy it is, download that Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. All right, Coach, it is what we have been waiting for. It is time for the college football preview. I am excited. I did not know if you dropped dead out of excitement there for a second or had an out-of-body, out-of-body experience or what happened. But I'm glad no, you're I was, excited. I was Putting, uh, putting some stuff away. But, yes, I, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to finish off our top five and then talk about a couple predictions and conference winners. Yes. 
All right. So give me your top five. All right. So number five, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Michigan. They had a great season last year, kind of a dream season for them almost. So I'm going to put them at five. Number four, I'm going to put it Notre Dame. Not a – I don't see them finishing in the top five at the end of the season, mm-hmm. but I'll start them, at, start them at four. Same thing with Georgia. Number three, not going to finish in the top five. They might drop down outside the top ten, but they had a great year last year. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. So I'm going to start them at three. Number two, Ohio State. This is right now, you know, the number two team predicted to win it. And number one, of course, is Alabama. Came up short, but they're coming back loaded. And I see them being the national champions again. All right. I dig it. You know, you and I, for once, finally agree on some spots here. Um, I've got Clemson in at number five, though. I think they start the season, you know, off with a bunch of hype going into the season. Um, Will they maintain that? I don't think so. I think maybe they stay in the top 15 um, throughout the year. But are they a playoff team? No. Um, Number four, I've got Texas A&M. This SEC is stacked once again, and it's possible Texas A&M could pull off some upsets like they have the past couple years. I'm not calling it, but I would not be shocked if Texas A&M beats Bama again this year. But I think Saban is... I, I think Saban is going to be hungry for revenge after last year. Um, but I would not be shocked if Texas A&M came out and surprised the world and had Bama's number one more time this year. I, I, I see what you're – like, I, I get your point. I just – I think A&M – bit off a little more than they can chew. And so I think Saban's I th- I wouldn't be surprised if Saban runs the score up. No, oh, you know, if that does happen, I, I I'm not shocked there either. Um number three through one, we're the same Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. Um this is a Georgia team that, you know, coming off the national title, um graduated several players have some good talent remaining as well. Um, brought in some good young, you know, recruits as well. Is it a Georgia team that makes the playoffs? I think they just miss it. Um, Ohio State, only because Bama lost in the national title, is Ohio State number two. Um, I think if it wasn't, if, I, if Ohio State would have had a better, you know, because they barely missed the playoffs last year, um, Michigan 
snuck in instead. I think if they would have had a better ending to the season, um, I think they could have actually continued for the title last year. Um, but then it's going to come down between, I think, Ohio State and Bama for, you know, who's going to hoist that trophy um, in SoFi Stadium this year. No, I agree. I And people kind of, you know, last year were saying, well, Ohio State's better than Oregon, so they should get the jump over Oregon. Like, no, to me, if you lose in week one or week two, whatever it was, and then you get to the end of the season and like, well, even though you lost – Yes, Ohio State was better than Oregon, but when push came to shove, I don't care if it's week one or the last game of the year, if you lost, you lost. And they did not show up in that game at all. No. So, yes, if you replayed that game, you probably win, but they've already beat you once. So now they're like, you can't say there's not a percentage chance of them winning again. And so. You know, hey, show up. If you want to complain about it, show up. Exactly. And I think I kind of think that's kind of their mentality this year of if we want to be in the national championship, we've got to take every game like it's the national championship. Yes. And I so. am looking forward to later in the season when we get that matchup between Michigan and Ohio State. Um because I, I think that is going to determine, you know, some big crucial moments in the college football playoff. Um, but then also when it comes down to that Big Ten title as well. No, exactly. Like, that's the last game of the year. I I don't think Penn State's what they were a couple of years ago. No. Michigan State is one of those teams that's good. It's really good once every three or four years. Um, so I think it's going to go down to them in Michigan. And we'll see if Michigan can do it again. Um, so let's. But did continue. you see who Ohio State opens the season with? I... I'll give you a guess. They're in my top five. They they open with Georgia. No, they open with Notre Dame. Really? Yep. Saturday, September third, six thirty p.m. Now it's at Ohio State, unless it's a neutral site. Oh my! It but... is. It is. Wow. So that's going to be a good test for both teams. Like that will. And if they if if they lose, which I don't think they will, but if they lose to Notre Dame, I don't want to hear in three months that well we're the better team. We should have won. You know, if we played again today, we'd be no. If you want to be in the national championship, you've got to win out. I think if you lose to Notre Dame, uh, you can write off Ohio State 
for even making the CFP. I could see that. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think they'll make it still because I, I I look at this year and I don't see a lot of contenders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's years where, like, man, we got eight, we got ten teams with, like, two dark horses that can maybe really push it. This year, I'm looking, I'm like, I I, I see five, maybe, maybe six, and that's, that's it. So, I, but I get what you're saying, and it's definitely a possibility that they don't even scratch the playoffs now let's stick with the college football playoff and I want to hear your top six because that's how we release them you know we do the first two out and then we give you know those top four and who's going to be part of those you know New York's New York New Year six bowls um, leading up into the semifinal games and then into that final game. So who's your top six? And these are not what our current rankings are, correct? Correct. This is going to be your prediction, who is going to be your final six at the end of the season, making the, you know, the first two outs of the college football playoff and your, fin- your final four in the college football playoff. Okay. Ah, uh, man. I haven't even thought through this really, but I'm going to go Alabama, Ohio State, and then I'm going to go Clemson, and I'm I'm going to go with Utah as a dark horse, and then. So that's um, your top four. Yeah, I'm going to go Utah as my. Dark Horse for four. And then I'm going to go Notre Dame and Baylor. Just on the outside. Yep. Okay. Well, strap in, kids. Take a seat. About to get a little bit bumpy. Because what I've got coming in at number six. Oklahoma State. Number five, Georgia. First one out. Barely missing the college football playoff. Number four, just sneaking in. Winners of the Big 12, Baylor. Number three, Michigan. Number two, Ohio State, and number one, Alabama. I I agree with it. So I think Michigan continues the strong run from last year. Um, what is really going to be the big key and the big uh, – you know, test form is going to be that final game of the season. Um, who wins the Ohio State? Who win? Who wins the Ohio State Michigan game? Who goes into the Big Ten championship game? 
whoever wins that goes into the playoffs. And I think just because of strength of schedule, um, how close of a game that Ohio State Michigan game can be as well is what then gets Michigan into the playoffs, um, beating out team a team like Georgia or a team like Oklahoma State. Um, we see the SEC multiple times, you know, always get two teams in. I think it's the Big Ten's turn um, to get two teams in. I, I can see that. So. Yeah, I. And see, I have. I have Utah as that fourth. Mm-hmm. Just because if they if they can win the conference again, and then there's you know, and Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference, so I think that that comes back to bite them. And I have you know Baylor slipping and losing in the conference championship, so I think that bumps Utah into that four spot. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So we're going to transition and we're going to go into Heisman Trophy finalist predictions. Who do you think is going to be in New York City Radio City Music Hall is, I, I think, where they do it. I can't remember. Um, who's going to be there getting to walk up on stage and lift that trophy and strike the pose? So I want to know top th- the top three, or who do we think is going to win? Top three, top four, and then who do you think is going to win it? Okay, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the top four favorites right now. Mm-hmm. Because everyone else on the list, I don't I don't think they're gonna be I don't think they're gonna be strong enough to put them in the top four. Um, I say that, but now I'm looking at Clemson's quarterback, and if Robinson has a bad year at running back for Texas, he could easily jump in there. But I think Robinson, running back for Texas, I'm going to go with him as our fourth spot. I think Caleb Williams, USC has an easy schedule. It's favorable for him. If he can be as dynamic as he was with at OU and be a little more accurate in the past game, I think he gets his name uh, invited. Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama, uh-huh. who could win it back-to-back, which would be – which has not been done a lot. Uh, very, very seldom has that happened. 
And right now the favorite would be C.J. Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State. So out of those four, who is going to be your winner? I think for right now I'm going to say C.J. Stroud just because he has so much coming back and he has so much – he has more weapons than Bryce Young does that I Mm – it's easier for him to look better. Which makes sense. So. Now, for me, I don't have any non-quarterbacks in here in my final four. It is all a quarterback battle for this Heisman Trophy this year. Um, you know, I've, I've got the two. You know, as predicted, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, um, both respectively. Um, I've got Anthony Richardson from Florida. I think he could really put up some numbers. I like him. um, And kind of shock everyone. Kid has got a great arm, um, really high potential. But then my dark horse and who I think is actually going to potentially win the Heisman this year. Um, and I, I think this is going to shock you. But it is Malik Cunningham, the quarterback out of Louisville. Hmm. I think he is going to be able to put up numbers like Lamar did in his Heisman you know, finalist campaign. Um, and he's they've, Louisville's got an easy enough schedule, which allows him to be able to, you know, run it and pass it, get yardage both sides and put up the numbers that make the voters and the rest of the college football world go, oh my gosh, what is Cunningham doing in Louisville? We've got to see the highlights. You know, it's, he, he can do, you know, be that guy that, you know, we have to tune, tune into ESPN or sports center every single, you know, Saturday night, just to see what he did against it. You know, the team they're going up against. And when you have a guy like that in a Heisman trophy race, a lot of times he's going to start being that top, you know, contender just because he's getting the ooze, the ahs, um, putting up the flashy numbers and everything else like that. Now, yes, I do know, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, they've got more of a stronger schedule, more, you know, tougher opponents, everything else like that, and more challenges, and their level of play is higher as well. However, because of that, it limits their potential production as well. And so if you have a guy, because it is the best college football player in the nation, now typically a quarterback, Um, but when you have a guy putting up numbers like he could potentially do this year, you have to almost give him that nod. Um, and so I I think that's what could possibly win it for Cunningham this year and send that Heisman trophy to Louisville. I, I see where you're coming from. I'm going to disagree. He is very athletic and can make a lot of plays. 
and he does have that wow factor because he can rip off a big throw or have a huge run, but his touchdowns for him to be a Heisman candidate, he's going to have to score 30 to 30. I'll, I'll say 30, 30 passing touchdowns. Now, rushing wise, in his last one, two, three, four, five games, he had four, five, six. He had seven rushing touchdowns, which is great. But if for him to be in that Heisman candidate, he's going to have to get to 30 touchdowns and single digit interceptions. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if we compare him to, you know, Bryce Young from last year. Bryce Young went 47 and 7 in the SEC, you know, in the SEC and other opponents. Now his rushing isn't dangerous like Cunningham is, but I think that's what as crazy as it is. You know, Lamar Lamar won the Heisman because he was able to put up the passing numbers mm-hmm. along with his feet. So I so I see that Malik has that potential, but for him to do it his what is this? This is his fifth year, he's gonna have to be more dynamic in the pass game. No, and I, I completely understand that. Um, you know, and one thing I kind of look at whenever you have these dual threat guys, um, you know, go back to Lamar, um, Johnny Manziel, you know, when you have these kind of dual threat quarterbacks in the Heisman race, they just get the attention of the voters and everything no matter how or what type of season, you know, the other guy is potentially having. I mean, go back to when Manziel won the Heisman. Yeah. The number number two vote-getter was Manti Teo. And honestly, Manti Teo probably should have won that Heisman because he had a defensive season that no other defensive player in almost college football history had ever had, especially at a linebacker position. But because of the attention and everything that Manziel brought from his game, you know, and the wow factor, I think is what Mm -hmm. won him that Heisman. And so when you have these dual threat guys, it kind of just adds another factor, you know, into your voting category that gives you a little bit more. You know, I, I, I understand that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, at the end of the season. And when it comes down into December, um, when they make the announcement in New York City, who's going to be, you know, the finalists that get invited and who's actually going to hoist that trophy that night. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I am too. 
So, final prediction. Conference winners. Now, conferences I went with, um, I don't know if they're going to be the same conferences you probably were looking at either, but I went with, you know, kind of the major ones. SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, American, and then Mountain West. The ones that, you know, have more relevancy um, instead of, you know, maybe our smaller conferences like the Mac West or, you know, the Ohio Valley or Missouri Valley. Um, You know, the schools that have been changing and everything else like that, conference realignment, but you know, I, I would say these are the main, you know, what, seven, eight conferences, you know, in college football right now. Yeah. I would agree so, with that. So let's hear your predictions on who's going to win these conferences and start with the SEC. Okay. So do you want to go – I'll go, then you go for the same conference, or you want me to do all of them, then you go all of them? We can go back and forth. Okay. Um, what did I write down? I have Alabama winning the SEC. Same here. I, I think if you don't have Alabama winning the SEC, um, then you should probably check into rehab. Yeah. I mean, maybe – Maybe Georgia can do something. They have a favorable favorable schedule. Um, maybe Florida can upset and pull something off, but I just I don't really see anything. I don't think A and M's as good as they were last year. So yeah, I have Alabama just and it's, running it's still conference again. It's still about two years away from Brian Kelly and LSU being relevant. Exactly. All right, so Big Ten. Okay, so both of us win Alabama. The Big Ten, I have Ohio State winning, winning out, mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go Iowa as the loser in the championship. Okay. Yeah, I think it, I think I'm gonna go Iowa because I, I think the East is stronger. Because uh, it's it's a little unfair. I mean, literally, the East has Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and the West. I mean, the two teams that have been the most relevant is Iowa, Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota. A couple of years ago, um, so yeah, I'm. I think Iowa is going to be the loser in that Big Ten matchup. See, for me, I've got Ohio State in the Big Ten title. Um, I'm bouncing back and forth between Iowa and Wisconsin, um, who they're going to go up against in in the title game there in Indianapolis. Um, does it really matter who they go up against this year, though, in the title um, for the Big Ten? I don't think so, just because how good this Ohio State team is and can be. 
this is a team that I think is ultimately going to contend for the national title. And if it comes down to it, Saban and Bama better watch out because Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud, they are hungry because they missed the playoff last year. No, I I agree. I and then okay, so I have a quick side note question. So with USC and UCLA joining, what teams from the West, what two teams from the West move to the East? I mean, do they? I would think so. To make to make sense, you're going to have to put the California schools in the West. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it would be. You would need to move two schools. Um, I think you look at Purdue. And I think you look at Illinois um, because of where Illinois is located in relevance to Northwestern. Northwestern's, you know, just north of Chicago. Illinois, you know, Illinois University is actually in Champ. Uh, what well, I think it's Champaign, Illinois, or um, Charlemagne. I, I can't remember, but they're more so eastern, central side of the state um, instead of that north, you know, north central part. Um, and then Purdue's in Indiana. I mean, and Indiana's already in the eastern side, anyways. So, hey, come on, state mate, come over. Yeah, I that that's what I was thinking. You know, maybe. Yeah, I mean that that's what I was thinking. So there would be no point to put Illinois and Northwestern in there and then leave Purdue. Yeah, like, that just wouldn't make sense. But sometimes college football doesn't make sense because it's about money. So exactly. Okay, so yeah, that was just my side conversation real quick. No, I like it. I like it. So, Big 12, who do you got? Okay, so this is going to be a little shocker. I have OU winning, but I have – I think I have – I'm going to have Baylor win out and OU finish second, and then when they play in the Big 12 – OU wins and Baylor comes up short, and that's why they drop from top four to sixth. Okay. Okay. Now, for me, I've got Baylor winning it. Um, I've got Oklahoma State Baylor meeting in the Big 12 title game. And okay. that is why. Oklahoma State finishes in sixth in the college football playoff and why Baylor sneaks in. I think Mm -hmm. this is a sneaky, good Oklahoma State Cowboy team 
they snuck up on people last year, snuck up on Oklahoma and Baylor, both of them. And I think they're going to do it again. And they're going to make some noise and make some waves this year. I mean, they're already ranked high to start with. And I think they're going to continue the momentum. And when it's all said and done, I think Baylor gets the best of them at the end of the season and in the title game. But watch out because who is it? Mike Gundy. Is that right? Yeah. Oklahoma state. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's going to want revenge next year. And I, he, he's a man. Remember he's a man. Yep. So he, he's going to want to get that back and show that the Cowboys are back on the map. And that it's no longer just Oklahoma controlling the Big 12. I, Oklahoma and Texas, they're on their way out. So it's time for a new regime to be in, entered in. And I think this is where Baylor and Oklahoma State start to make their case on controlling this conference. No, that's, that's a good point. Fair point. So. All right. Pack 12. Who you got? So Pac-12 will have Utah winning. And I, I'm going to go with Oregon again as the North representative. Okay. So I think we'll have another rematch. And I think Utah is going to pull it out back to back. say I have got Utah as well um, winning the uh, Pac-12 but uh, you know Pac-12 website I would love to just look at the divisions and see but they don't make that easy Um, no they really don't because when you click on standings right now before any game is actually played, they just bring up tiebreaker scenarios. Yeah. You want Which, me to rattle them off for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, because I can't remember just who is in that north. Um, so the look. north is Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, mm. Washington, and Washington State. It's Oregon. It's Oregon. Yeah. So Utah beats Oregon again in the Pac-12 title. Plain and simple. I think Washington's still a couple years away from being competitive again. Yeah. And I don't see anything coming out of Oregon State, Cal, or, you know, Washington State either. Um, Stanford. Mm -hmm. Stanford's always relevant, relevant here and there. Um but they rest their laurels on their academics, um, and they have got some of the smartest football players in the world playing for them, some of the most physical as well. But 
at times they just can't piece it together at the right moment. No, I agree. I agree with that. So the ACC coach, who you got? So the ACC, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Clemson. Okay. I'm going to go with Clemson, and I – man, this is going to be – I think I'm going to go with my dark horse for the Coastal Conference or division. I'm going to say Duke. Oh. So I think Clemson and Duke. Okay. I am not that big on Clemson this year. I think they fall. I think they stay in about the top 15. Um, I think it's going to be NC State this year. See, I like NC State, but I think when push comes to shove, I think Clemson's going to get the nod. See, I don't know. I I think NC State's got a chip on their shoulder. And they want to prove that they're no longer little brother in the conference anymore. And Clemson has been having difficult seasons here of late, not able to close out ball games, coming up with crucial turnovers at the wrong time. And I think that's what gets NC State into the title game of the, uh, of the ACC. And then they win it over Miami. Okay. Now Miami could... Miami easily is probably the favorite to win the Coastal. And them are, you know, North Carolina. So... Yes. I could see either one of those teams taking it. So... Yeah, I like it. All right. So next conference we have got is the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. There are no divisions in this conference, Coach. No, there's not. They just duke it out. Who you got? Uh... Man, this is hard. This is one of those conferences where literally anyone can win it just because you don't know who who's coming back. Mm-hmm. I think I know where you want to go just because of how highly you feel on them right now, but I don't think it would be the smart move to go. No. I think I'm going to go Navy. Really? I mean, Navy is one of those teams that literally will rattle off eight or nine wins. But then they'll go four or five wins for two years in a row, and then just somehow they're relevant again. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go Navy. Mm. Okay. That, That I was not expecting. Well, I want to say Cincinnati, but I feel like they've lost too much. Yes. I like Houston, but same thing. I 
I don't know if they've kept enough in the chamber to be good enough. So yeah. I I'm gonna take the dark horse and go navy. Now I'm going I'm going to Houston. I think they have retained enough talent um, from the previous season. Um, I think Cincinnati graduated too much um, and drafted off way too many into the league. And I think that's going to hurt them this year. So I think Houston's going to come out, um, not overly dominate the conference, but make a statement and, you know, be comfortable. Now, I do think you've got to watch out for, you know, obviously a team like Navy, um, but one that is kind of flying under the radar but is starting to get back to some glory days of the program after the death sentence that they received in the 80s and the 90s is SMU. And this is, this is a team, if maybe in the next, if they continue the recruiting path they're on, I think they could potentially start making some waves in college football uh, they're not going to get to the point to where we're going to go, oh, SMU's the new Cincinnati, let's put them in the CFP. It's not going to get to that point. But I think, you know, the Mustangs, I think they could potentially get to the point to where they may win this conference, you know, three or four years down the road. And, you know, we're constantly at the top portion and being, you know, actively ranked in the top 25. <clears throat> they might be able to get in, back into the top 25 consistently, but I don't see them. And this happens every several years for SMU. And they, they were a big transfer team the last couple of years. And so that's kind of what helped them is they had guys that were at power fives that got hurt or they were just backups and never – connected and so they they plugged in a couple guys that they got from the portal um so i i think they're a good team and maybe they can get back into the top 25 conversation if they can you know boost their recruiting you know, and bring in a couple portal guys every year but really if they continue to get good core recruits from freshmen, then yeah, I think they could be a top twenty-five team again. But I maybe they win the conference, but yeah, I don't ever see them being a top ten team ever again. No, no, I don't think they ever reach that high. Um, all right, so final conference we're going to touch on is the Mountain West. Who do you have winning? So with the Mountain West. And if you go a military school again, I am. I'm done. No, I won't go military school. Um, (laughs) I want to say Utah State, but. Maybe Utah State or Nevada for me. Hmm. 
I know that. <coughs> that is that's a tough that, one. That's that's dark. Well, because San Diego State had such a great year, but it almost felt like their dream season of yes being so powerful that it's like uh now we restart all over. So Boise State hasn't really done anything the last several years. Utah State's always competitive. Last five. Nevada's been they've been a team that they're a team that at least like stays in the mentions. Does that make sense? Yes. You hear you hear something about them every couple of weeks. So I know they lost their quarterback. Um, you know, he's a backup at Philly now. But I I for some reason, I feel like Nevada and Utah State is going to be it, and I'm I'm going to go Utah State as champ. Now, see, I am going completely opposite direction. I think after the season this team had last year, um, I think they rebound. I think they brought in some good transfers. They've got some good young recruits coming into the program as well. And I think they probably have one of the best home field advantages in all of sports, whether professional or collegiate, amateur, or anything else. And that is the Broncos of Boise State and that blue turf. So I think they make it out of the Mountain Division, um, and they go up against Fresno State out of the West in the title game. Um I think these are two teams that, you know, it's that nostalgic Mountain West matchup, you know, that also provide that always produces a great game. But I think Boise State gets it at the end um, and, you know, calls it their day. I can, I can see it. I've, I'm not going to disagree with it. So. And this is one of those conferences that's tough to judge just because, you know, this is one of those conferences that they play Alabama or they play uh, USC. You know, they they play the Power Fives. So you just, you see them get demolished. And every once in a while, they stay competitive and, like, stay in it a little bit. But early in the season, it's hard to get a read on them. And then when they get to conference play, you start seeing the cream rise to the top. Uh Uh-huh. So. I I completely agree. So with, with that being said, Predictions are done with college football now for us. Any final thoughts, topics, what you're looking for this weekend going into the opening weekend of the college football season? Uh, There's not really too much. Um, I mean, of course, Nebraska and – Northwestern is going to be the big game to really talk about. Mm-hmm. 
other than that, there's a couple games that are intriguing and um, kind of noteworthy. Um, let's see. So West Virginia and Pitt play September 1st. Central Michigan, Oklahoma State, September 1st. Um, you know, I think that's when we'll get really into it is week one. Yep. The, so, or, quote, the true week one. But we'll have some good predictions next week on the show. Um, as, we, you know, we, that Labor Day weekend is really when college football ramps up. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, probably – what one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen games low on a thursday um about 10 more friday and then well over 30 40 maybe close to 50 games on a saturday mm-hmm. so that is when it ramps up and i am excited so this weekend i think we pick one game and that one game is the one over in dublin nebraska at northwestern coach who do you have i'm gonna go to nebraska go in nebraska okay i don't like nebraska but i'm gonna go with them i think they can they might be able to win this one. So, I, I've been going back and forth on this one, but I like Northwestern, and I'm going to go with them. I think they're going to have a little bit more physicality in this game. Um, and... I think they're going to start off their Big Ten season with uh, – I think a lot of people are going to be shocked if Northwestern wins, honestly. So I I think they, they have a – I think they have a really good shot, but I, I think they're going to shock the Big Ten um, with beating Nebraska this weekend. Yeah. It, I – It's definitely going to be an interesting game. Kind of, you know, intrigued to see what Northwestern has. Can they be the Northwestern they were a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and honestly, this might be the last year Scott Frost is at Nebraska, you know. So he's, he has to win this game to get back on track and – kind of start his season in the right direction. No, I, 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 I agree with that. You know, Frost hasn't had the production that they have wanted from him. So like you said, either it happens now or I think Nebraska is going to be looking somewhere else. Exactly. So. All right, coach think that's it final thoughts as we come off this episode episode 11 the nfc east breakdown 
and our college football preview. What do you got for me? It's football's slowly coming back. Um, <laughs> college is, man, just a week away, really. High school football yes. is kicking off pretty soon. It starts this week, and NFL is two weeks away. So it's it's that time of year again. Everyone's favorite time of year. So I'm I'm so I'm so anxious and so ready for it to get going. Oh, you and me both, brother. I think so. uh, I think for me, you know, I, I'm. I'm ready, like you said. You know, we're we've got football from now every single weekend until February when we finish with the Super with when we finish with the Super Bowl. Um, there will not be a weekend without football from here until now, until then. So I am I am so excited. Um, you know, I'm excited to experience my first fall of Texas high school football. I will be definitely. Uh, going to some games this year. Got a great powerhouse, um, you know, in the town I live in, in Salina. Um, it actually just got moved up divisions as well to, uh, I think, from 3A into 4A. Or I could be wrong. They may have got moved into 5A. I'll have to double check on that. But, you know, and then, you know, I'm right down or right up the road from Frisco, uh um, Wakeland, and they are constantly contending for a state title all, also. Um, so really, a lot of great football all around me here in the DFW area, um, and I'm excited to finally take part in some Texas high school football, see what the hype is all about, and then, of course, break out my smoker, get some brisket, get some pulled pork going, and get to enjoy some football weekends and barbecue. There you go. That's what it's all about. Yes, it is. So that is it. You know, give us a share. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Trenches. Um, you know, let your family know about the podcast, coworkers, friends, uh, you know, Firemen of the police officer down on the corner asking for donations for the MDA uh, foundation. You know, let them know the podcast. They need something to listen to when they're just sitting there bored. Why not let it be in the trench of sports? Um, other than that, that is it. Episode 11, NFC East breakdown. College football preview is in the books. 